Are you a sexy, indulgent musician suffering from consistent long hours, crippling self-doubt, and constant disappointment? Well, do we have a show for you. Welcome to Sex, Drugs, and Disappointment, a bi-weekly deep dive into what it takes to be a healthy and successful musician in the modern industry. My name is Melody Kaiser. My name is Dustin Williams. And we are both full-time musicians and creative entrepreneurs. And today we are discussing the importance of setting boundaries and realistic expectations as a musician. Yeah. So as creatives <laughs> uh, and musicians, um, we're, we're often expected uh, to kind of take advantage of every single opportunity that arises. Um, and regardless of the benefits uh, or the paycheck, um, we kind of are like put in a position where we're like, we have to be servants to the fans, right? And um, there's there's a fine line, I think, where that can become uh, really uh, dangerous for your mental health um, and uh, just for your brand. Um, so we're going to talk about that among um, many other things. Um, and uh, how to be just like a more happy and healthy person and, um, you know, how to set those boundaries and realistic expectations for, for your career as a musician. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've without a doubt heard it my whole life is like, you know, seize the opportunity, like, you know, you never know who's going to be in the audience and you're almost like drilled that, but it's to the point where like you're taking terrible opportunities right yeah yeah exposure exposure opportunities right and so i mean i think that's the first thing that i want to talk about just because it is so prevalent mm -hmm. it's like oh like we're a festival we spend all of our budget on food trucks so it there will be people here it's great exposure right you know so really kind of thinking through stuff like that and it could vary depending on kind of what you're doing in your brand um, but in my experience, like taking free gigs for exposure, I mean, yeah, it, it, it does kind of give you exposure. It's just kind of like a practice usually yeah, though, what yeah. ends up happening. Mm -hmm. Um, and nine times out of 10, there isn't anybody there that is even paying attention to you because it's right. a food truck festival, not a music festival. Yeah. And so they couldn't care less if you were there. Um, I mean, what is your kind of experience with like free shows, like exposure oh, shows. A lot. I've done a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and here's the thing, right? Because like, I, I feel like to a degree there is a, there is a, a line where when you first start out in this business, like you, you are going to take free gigs. Like you are going to have to do stuff that, um, that doesn't, you know, it's not fun, I guess, as far as, as you know, the, the risk reward benefit might go. Um, but, uh, you know, when you're, when you're a new artist, you kind of, it's like the whole, like proving yourself, paying your dues, you know, you hear that phrase a lot. And I don't think that, like, I think maybe there's a little merit to it for sure, because that's kind of how you weed out the people who are going to be professional and, um, consistent, right? you know, but yeah, I mean, I can't tell you how many gigs, you know, I've taken that were either free or, you know, just like, uh, underpaid you know right. like like a hundred dollars for a, a duo for like a four-hour gig that's it's rough yeah yeah so i mean i think you know where this kind of goes into setting boundaries is 
what I see happen, and I have done it myself, is once you kind of set your rate, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That's the gigs that you're going to get. Yeah. yeah. So like if you put yourself out there, let's just say, um, I don't know, what's a really good paying gig consistently? Like a like a corporate kind of gig. Sure. Yeah. You know, or like a hotel gig where you're playing jazz music in the lobby for a few hours those can pay like pretty good yeah because i have some friends that do that it's like 500 bucks yeah like for the night Mm -hmm. that's pretty good yeah it's great for for me yeah (laughs) some people but (laughs) you know um so if you kind of set yourself up as i charge 500 dollars for a three-hour background music show Mm -hmm. and here's where i've played hotel wise i want to play at your hotel that's the gigs that you're going to get yeah whereas if you set yourself up as like oh like and and it does depend on the circumstance because there are some festivals obviously like if you have the opportunity who gives a shit if you're going to get paid yeah you know like that does happen yeah but usually not really you know like those festivals aren't hitting up people that are going to play for free because it, it yeah. kind of goes with the the level of musicianship exactly that's yeah. the thing yeah. it's like you know i think for a lot of festivals it can kind of get and i it's not just festivals just talent buyers in general like if you're willing to play for free they're kind of just like hmm like that's interesting right you know and, yeah. and it almost gives you less merit yeah yeah um, it does for sure uh and like i said i mean it depends on the gig but I think the boundary that you should set for yourself is, um, and this kind of goes for a lot of stuff in life I've kind of noticed, but, um, whatever you set yourself up to do is what you're probably going to do. Yeah. (laughs) So like if you set yourself up to make $500 a night playing instrumental music in hotels, those are probably the gigs you're going to get. Yeah. You know, and if you set yourself up to just play free gigs all the time, that's what you're going to keep getting hit up for. Yeah. Um, plus like the music industry is like a really small network. And so if somebody hears that like, oh, you, they were actually really good and they played for free, you're going to keep playing for free. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. For sure. (laughs) You know? Um, so it's almost just good. Just set a fair rate for yourself. Um, it, it really does depend on the situation, but yeah. What, what does that look like? Like maybe we should break that down a little bit. Like what is a fair rate depending on what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, for like a solo acoustic thing, um, I've gotten to the point where I don't take anything less than 200 bucks. Yeah, reasonable. Yeah, I mean, that's really not that expensive. That's still pretty cheap. No, it's still pretty cheap, yeah. So like, uh, but you would be amazed at how many people get mad at me when they're like, hey, like, I'll pay you a hundred bucks to come play for four hours. And I'm like, no. (laughs) And then they're like, what? Right, (laughs) yeah. And but I've gotten to the point where like sometimes just staying home, I would pay a hundred bucks to not have to go and play for them for four hours. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Totally. totally. Like, it kind of gets to that point where it's like, this is just not enough yeah. for me to want to go do that. Yeah. And a lot of times, I mean, a lot of times in my experience, the places that do that are always the shittiest venues. Yeah. They're always sure. like the dive bars that this, you get smoked out. All mm-hmm. your equipment stinks, you stink yep. by the end of the gig. Everybody's like kind of rednecky and weird. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we are in Georgia, so that's probably just that part of my experience. But yeah. um, it's usually the worst venues that want to be the least. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and 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 I think, too, it, maybe we, sh- we should also say like um, 
you can uh, a lot of the times uh, artists, and I know I've done this, I'm sure you've done this, will set rates depending upon like what type of work is involved. So for example, if you're doing a solo acoustic act, right? Um, if you have to provide your own sound, you should charge for that. Um, if you're having to learn um, specific songs, specific covers, you should charge for that. You know, um, so, you know, I think most people like when they're doing these acoustic gigs, you're going to have some some kind of pre-fixed uh, set list. And it doesn't mean it'll be the same every time. But I would say like if you're trying to do a four-hour gig, you're looking at roughly anywhere from like 40 to 60 songs, depending on like, are you improvising? How much, uh, how short or long are they? Are you playing a bunch of like three-minute like pop covers back to back? Then you're, you're going to need a lot. But if you're playing some stuff maybe with a loop pedal and you're extending then you know um that you might want more my point being that like you're already putting a lot of time into the practice and prepared uh preparedness excuse me for for uh these gigs so like to me that's it's not like you're charging for that every time but it's almost like you have to factor that in like how much effort goes into getting ready for this gig and then like drive time you know like how far is the place um, obviously like how long are you playing? Um, so some people will just set a flat rate. Some people do hourly rate. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I remember like when we used to do duo and, and trio stuff, um, me and, and PK, and then we'd have Kiefer with us. Uh, sometimes we would charge, um, like I think minimum was 400 and nice. that's still pretty low though. And if you think it's a four, cause we're talking still three to four hours, mm. um, we're bringing our gotcha. own sound most of the time, you know? Um, we were doing a lot of looping too, which can be a lot more involved. Um, and, and we were very involved when, with how we did it. So, you know, and, and yeah, like generally you're getting tips too. So maybe add another, you know, anywhere from 20 to a hundred dollars. It really depends on the night. Right. Um, And and I wouldn't rely on those either. No, it's not going to be like the waitress at the bar and even them, you know, but you're not going to get tipped like that. No, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think too, um, kind of what you were saying about, um, dang it. I just totally lost my train of thought. Oh, I do know what I was going to say. So I think a good perspective to kind of have, cause I was talking with a friend of mine that DJs weddings mm. and like every wedding, his minimum just to, to DJ the reception is like $1,200 Yeah, for one person right? to DJ. Yeah. So like, I think <laughs> that that's, that's a good perspective. Cause it's like, if somebody's willing to pay, a DJ that they should be willing to pay a musician, anybody that, else that. Yeah, for sure. So, um, and that, and then, you know, to be fair to also like that is a wedding gig and right. you know, there is more money that goes behind sure. a wedding. So, you know, you can charge more for that. Um, and because it's, it's like a special day for someone like you're probably going to, I mean, if you're a good person, <laughs> you're going to be like making sure that you have your shit together right. for that. You don't want to fuck that up. Yeah. And I will say weddings are, in my experience, are the hardest gigs because you do usually have to learn songs um, that they choose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Even if it's just a few, it can be kind of daunting because it's like their first dance song and stuff like that. So right. it's like, like, I don't really love, I don't know. I've played so many of them. There was one wedding I did recently. This one was kind of funny. They wanted um, this Peter, Paul and Mary song. I think it was literally called the wedding song, which is, it was pretty old. I mean, it was like late sixties, early seventies and it yeah. sounded late sixties, early seventies, yeah. 
And I was just like, dang, like, how am I going to do this? And so even a song that was four chords, it stressed me out pretty bad. Yeah. Because it was just something that I'd literally never played before. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like the focal point moment of the music at the wedding. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, so it was just, that was kind of stressful. So you do, I, you know, I set a rate for that too. I mean, I didn't want to like bust their bank or anything, but I was like, I mean, it's going to take me several hours to, to get this pretty well. Yeah. So I got paid for that too. Good. Well, as you, you should. Know. And, 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 you know, there's rearrangement that goes into that too, because you're playing as a single person <laughs> right. in sixties stuff, you know, wall of sound, Phil Spector kind of shit. It was right. like yeah. dense. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was interesting. So, so that's just one example that, that was super recently earlier this year. Um, that but that's that good. Happened. Recent example is, is, is good because yeah. I think, you know, you can kind of look at that and then look at what, where you were maybe three or four years ago, you probably weren't charging as much or maybe you weren't like, for sure not. you know, I think understanding your value, I mean, to a point, you know, and this kind of goes with genre too. Yeah. Like people aren't usually now we're talking like small gigs, like beginner gigs. Yeah. We're not talking about like you're established at all. I'm no. just yeah. saying like you get a gig at the local club, right? Yeah. Like genre can really impact that too. Yeah. Like if it's a genre that is not super commercial, I guess I'm thinking like punk. Punk, or metal. Like, yeah. I mean, it, it's very like niche. Mm -hmm. They usually, um, you know... Those are those are hard gigs to get a lot of value out of. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, that's just kind of part of the game. But um, understanding that, too, you know, if you're like a pop bands with like a horn section and you're wanting to do corporate wedding gigs, you can charge out the ass. Like, right. I've heard some crazy numbers from wedding band friends of mine. Oh, for that sure. They get paid. And 12K. it's just. Yeah. Yeah. Just like fuck <laughs> yeah like that's crazy i've never i think the most that a band that i was in has ever made it a gig from a single night mm -hmm. was like three grand yeah I think, and i think it was like yeah. new year's or something it was a big deal gig yeah. um which is a lot but ugh, not nearly as much as wedding bands are making yeah you know for sure. so so understanding that kind of puts it into perspective too but you know just like see value in yourself. Um, and I think that that gets easier for most musicians as they get older. Yeah. Cause you're just, you get to the point where you're just like, I don't want to fucking go. <laughs> yeah, like, for sure. For I, sure. I, I went, what would be my price to actually do that? Um, you because, know? yeah. Cause like, <laughs> it's just like, it's just a pain in the ass, you know? And you realize like, because you know, you've done the cover band thing too, where mm -hmm. you have to bring PA yep. and you're not, you don't finish, you play from nine to one and then at one o'clock you have to load up everything, heavy ass PA. And mm -hmm. the, the band that I played in forever was a passive PA. So we had like these huge racks with oh, power man. amps in it. I mean, just by the time you get home at like four in the morning, you physically like hurt, yeah, but not just right. like, not just like when you move or something, you just ache, you know? Yeah, for and sure. so it gets to the point where it's like, and it, and you only get paid like 150 bucks if you're lucky yeah, for yeah, that whole I mean, thing. Fuck, and you're just dude. like, man, this really sucks. Yeah, like, I just yeah. don't want to do, like, I, I shouldn't be this tired for 150 bucks. And so you right. start to kind of see like, 
Well, how much would I, how much would I want to get paid to do that again? What would make it worth it? Yeah. Right. Cause like, well, and, and one thing you said too, I think worth, that's worth bringing up is like, as you get more time on stage and you do this more, and as you just physically age, like as you just get older, like it takes more time to recover from this kind of stuff, you know, like doing, doing four hour gigs, three nights in a row, like five or six years ago for me was nothing. Now that that's pretty exhausting. And, you know, and, uh, you know, another thing maybe to to consider to factor in here too, when you're thinking about what should I charge for, for my service is, you know, most of us musicians, uh, especially for doing it full time, um, like we don't have, we're not, getting insurance benefits from a company. We're not getting retirement and stuff. So this factors in, like this is how you help pay for, for the insurance. This is how you put money away to save for, for future expenses. I mean, I I can't even say, yeah, right. (laughs) I mean, like, yeah, saving is is hard enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I know. Right. Um, So uh, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, like just, just to throw some, some numbers out there too. I think like when you're playing in a band, so let's take this out of the solo artist thing. Um, it's pretty much, I would say like nowadays, like a hundred a man is like bare minimum. Like you should, like you shouldn't be doing a hundred a man, but like sometimes that's all you can get and it is what it is. But like 150, I would say, and, 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 and you know, like this can kind of go from length set length, you know, matters here too. But like, um, like an hour long set, I feel like one fi- one twenty five to one fifty a, a man is is um, is very reasonable. It's right. still like that's cheap. cheaper than it should be. But yeah, you know. But if you're in like a four piece band, for example, you should take no less than four hundred dollars. Really, probably five because you should charge the extra hundred for the likelihood of, of you setting up your PA. I mean, the gas, the travel time, like so many things that, that factor in to this, that, um, you know, with other standard nine to fives, you're either getting compensated for, or you're, you're making enough to where that doesn't really matter. And, um, yeah, I would say the only, the only reason to take like a hundred a man would be if it's a band that you're actually a part of, you're not just like a, work right. for hire mm-hmm. and the gig loses money. Yeah. Like you didn't get paid even a hundred, like say it was like a ticketed thing or the venue just screwed you. Yeah. That's pretty much the only time that I would see that that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other than that, try to try to get it where it's kind of a, even if you split it evenly between four people, you still come out. Okay. Yeah. Um, which is hard a lot of times, especially when you're doing like original music gigs, because they yeah. usually pay nothing. Like, you know, any, not every time, but any time I've done like an original quote unquote music gig where it's like at a club and there's like four bands on the bill or something like that, I've always lost money. I don't yeah. think I've ever made money on those kind of gigs. No, you don't. Um, you generally don't. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're selling merch and and even then like, you're probably not going to make enough right. for everyone to make money. Right. So those kind of gigs are really tough to do that. Um, but then there's, but there's I've a still balance. paid people, you know, right. But yeah. It just yeah, was yeah. You always do. Yeah. Like a hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah. Which sucks. And like, I know it sucks, but it's just like, 
but you're doing what you can. Right. And, like you, if you don't have, um, you know, the money at the end of the night. Um, but I've also like it from a band leader perspective, I've also paid out of pocket a lot at gigs just right. to make sure that my other musicians were paid. Um, and which stings. Yeah. Because it stings it, for sure. Yeah. Because it feels like, you know, it can get to the point too, where you feel like you're like, Oh, well I work just as hard like, yeah, and I didn't get paid anything. Like it cost me money. But that's just kind of part of it. <laughs> yeah. Like that's yeah. the that's the sacrifice that you make. Yeah. It's it's and, and and I've definitely been in that in those shoes before as well. And yeah, it does suck and and like um that's why it definitely pays to um even not even financially, but just like spiritually for for if it's a situation like that where like everyone is at least like more involved and dedicated to the project because um you know, it makes it feel at least a little bit more like, like you're moving right somewhere, you know? Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, the money conversation is always really hard guys, like, <laughs> you know, in, in music, because there's already this pre, um, uh, this, this like mentality, mm -hmm. I guess that you go in with like knowing that this industry is not a money making industry. This industry is not a, um, you know, you don't do this to, to make a living, you know, you do this because you love it and then right. you hope that you can make a living out of it. Right. And I mean, there is validity in an argument for that, but at the same time, the music industry actually makes a lot of money. It's just not yeah. you making it. Yeah, exactly. Which is the, the real shit kicker to give a little Southern. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah i mean it sucks it super sucks yeah um you know because oh man i mean i've played like what we were talking about last week we we're like that one venue that i played and i don't know why i kept playing there well i knew the owner but they were terrible business people and like every time i'd play there i would get like a check that would bounce sometimes multiple checks that oh would my bounce. god that's just crazy but what was so frustrating is like um you know the owner at the end of the night after we played our show when he was writing the check would be like, Oh my gosh, like tonight was great. You guys like the bar made like $12,000 and I'm like, sick, I'll take cash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So yeah. like, yeah, you know, yeah. everybody is making money. It's usually just on you. Right. So see value in yourself, set a fair rate and that rate will most likely increase over time, which yep. is good. Yeah. Um, but you know, just think about like what you're worth, what is it worth to you? Um, but kind of a side note on that is when you're talking about money, especially with like band members and even venues, everybody can start taking stuff really personally mm -hmm. and can either become like very hostile about the situation or yeah. just disrespectful. So yeah. I want to talk about like treating people with respect, yeah. like on a personal level. Sure. Um, so like, I mean, you have several stories with this about like, cause you've worked with so many bands, mm -hmm. just like band members that, um, will kind of, because bands are families. So everybody starts to get kind of intertwined in each other's personal lives. Yeah. But there is a line, I think that you need to kind of draw in the sand and yeah. set a boundary. Um, just because, you know, like, yes, you are family quote unquote but you know don't let 
personal stuff get involved with the business professional side of things. Yeah. Yeah. As much as a lot of people do. Yeah. It's a, it's a hard line because uh, like, like it's a really tricky line, I guess is what I mean. Because like, um, like you said, you know, when you're in a band, when you're in a project that you, that you were dedicated to, that you're excited about, like you are going to become closer. It is like a marriage. It's like a family, you know, and, um, and I do think that, that that's important. Like, I think you need that depending on, on what you're trying to do as a, as an artist or, or band, whatever. Um, but yeah, like there, there are certain things like, you know, I won't mention names kind of like, you know, just kind of a brief story of like, I've been in situations where like one member of the band um, didn't agree with like the personal life decisions of another member, like how they were um, living and living and, and, you know, relationships, their and relationship such. and stuff. Yeah. And how, how they were kind of navigating that. And it was like, at the end of the day, um, you know, and, and this was a situation where I was like one of the band leaders, right. it was like me and, and another person. So we were kind of like in charge so to speak. Um, I mean, everyone had like equal, like creative say, right. but you know what I'm saying? I do. Like, yeah. It's kind of like we were saying, pick a leader. Right. Um, and you know, this one person had a problem with another person for those life decisions and whatnot, but ultimately the, the person, the other person that, that, you know, was making whatever life decisions they were making, like they still, they still showed up to practice. They showed up to the show. They, they, did what they were supposed to do and it wasn't affecting the band. Right. You know, it had no effect on us on a, on a productivity level. Um, and it wasn't like causing me personal life distress, right. which so, is really what matters. Yeah. It just got, yeah. Somebody just got too personally involved. Yeah. And it was like, why are we doing this? Yeah, like, why are cares? we, yeah. Who gives a shit? Like yeah. we're here to practice. Let's do our job. And then you guys can go home and brood if you want, but like right. leave it at the door, you know? Right. Um, and yeah, you know, other situations, you know, have, I've been in that have been kind of similar to that. And it's like, um, you know, once it starts affecting, you know, rehearsal schedules or things like that, then yeah, maybe, maybe right. it's time to have a discussion, but like, even then you, you have to be careful. And, and I think what's God, I think really what's most important is fucking be empathetic and like, you know, if somebody in your band is struggling and they're, and they're having issues showing up on time and they're not being reliable like don't be accusatory or aggressive about it first like ask what's going on see if you can help see like if they're having a hard time in their life because chances are like it, that is the case and you know they may not feel like sharing it with you that they that they may have their own boundary there right. but at least at least express that you're caring about what they're going through and that um you know, you're not going to hold it against them. Um, and, you know, just let them know that, that you're, you're concerned for them as a person and, you know, don't make it just about like, don't be like, Oh, well you're fucking up our band practices. And, you know, right. it's just like, Hey, you know, what's going on? Like, are you okay? Like, let's talk, let's, let's just yeah. have a, a life discussion. You know? I mean, it's a very, you have to be very careful about the mix. I think, yeah, especially with people that you're like around all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, because we actually, okay, so here's a great example, um, of just working together, mm -hmm. just Dustin and I is like, there are, there have been several times where like, I am stuck in like business mode mm -hmm. 
And you have to like reel me in a little bit yeah. about like, well, I don't know if I would do that because like relationships are just as important. Right. Right. So like there's this like mix of like you have to care about the people that you work with. You have to treat them respectfully. You have to think about the brand part of it with the people too. Yeah. And then on top of that, you have to think about like the business side of things and treat everybody quote unquote, like a colleague. So yeah. it's really, really hard yeah. to right. find that balance because these are people, it almost becomes like siblings after a minute. You're just like, mm -hmm. you're around these people all the time. So it's easy to be like, well, I don't think you should be doing that. It's, you know, it, it has to get to a point where if it's starting to be degrading to the work relationship, then kind of take a step back and really consider like, is this actually like a problem that I should be concerned about? Or right, am I just right. like getting too involved personally? Yeah. Now that's not to say because, um, kind of just like learning to say no to people, right? This is a, another example of, um, something that I've experienced is, um, I auditioned kind of, I don't know if audition, it wasn't like a formal audition, mm -hmm. but I went and like jammed with these people, um, who I didn't know them at all. They were like friends of friends and they heard that they needed a guitar player. Uh -huh. And I was probably 15, 16. Oh, okay. So this is a while ago. Yeah. Okay. I was probably 15 or 16 and they were definitely like mid to late twenties. Okay. Um, but you know, it was just kind of a weird vibe, you that know. Is, yeah, that's a, wild. A big, I, a big wow. part of it too was probably just like I hadn't really done like auditions, or I haven't been around people that weren't like with my parents, or you yeah, know what I mean, totally, like with my totally. mom. Like my mom chaperones me places. Yeah. So it was just kind of this weird, um, you know. They were really into like drugs and like you know they were like normal. 30 year old musicians yeah, now right. that I know. But like when you're 15, you're just like, ah, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> it's just totally. like, ah, is that marijuana? <laughs> so I wasn't that bad, but still yeah. it was just like very out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Um, and it just was kind of a weird dynamic. Like I just wasn't ready to be in like a group with a bunch of strangers that yeah, I didn't really that know. That are 10 years or more older right. than you while so, you're not <laughs> even 18 yet. Right. Yeah. So I was just, you know, but that was really hard because they really liked my playing and they were like, oh, like, you're awesome. Like, would you want to play shows with us? And I was like, I'm going to have to think about it. Yeah. And then I don't think I ever called them back, which I'm really sorry about. That was not cool. But that was my 15 year old. So. <laughs> yeah. Also, you were 15. Like, <laughs> I, was come like on. I was like, I'm going to have to think about it. And then I was like, get me out of here. <laughs> So um, that's like a very extreme funny example, but that does happen pretty often. Definitely. Especially like, you know, the better that you are, because I'm sure this happens to you all the time. People are like, oh my God, Dustin, do you want to join our band? Like how many people do you have to say like, or like, yeah. you know, draw some boundaries with, because I feel like yeah. the better that you are, the more requests you're going to get. And like, you know, I'm sure a lot of them are really good, but you kind of have to set your boundary of like what you want. Yeah, for sure. Right. Um, yeah. And I mean, and you know, I, I don't know how much of it really comes down to talent as much as just like consistency. Like, um, 
I know I'm solid because otherwise I wouldn't be making a living. But, you know, I'm not the best of the best. I think what I, uh, you know, in, in a lot of these situations, I provide consistency and, and I'm good enough to be able to learn the stuff and, and play and kind of go beyond the bare minimum musically, but then also like, um, you know, being prepared and showing up on time. That's the kind of thing that, that people are looking for um, a lot of the time. And, and to answer your question, I think, yeah, I mean, it, it still happens all the time now. Like I, I, within the past couple of months, I've had to kind of, you know, politely decline a few things and you know i mean really most of the time it's just because of like you know my availability is so much more limited now because um like actively you know being with with hey dreamer and casual cadenza and playing with right. with Truett and and future babes like i'm up to like seven bands consistently <laughs> and most of them don't play that often which is why i can make it work right um like hey dreamer and, and casual cadenza are probably like the busiest bands that i that i play with on, on a more consistent basis right. um but uh yeah I've, I've gotten to the point now where it's like i want to play with my friends um, that I'm close to and people who just make me feel good to be around. Um, and I want to play music that I enjoy playing. Um, you know, playing again, Hey Dreamer, Casual Cadenza, Pussy Willows, uh, right. uh, Future Babes, like all these bands I really love playing with and the music is fun and the people are cool. And like that brings me the most reward. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, I like, especially, I don't know, like five, even, even like four years ago, even three really, if I'm being honest with myself, like, um, there were, I was in a different place where I was kind of trying to take just about anything I could get. Um, now I wasn't taking free stuff, but I was like, if an offer came through, like, and the, and the calendar was open, it was, it was, yes, it was mm -hmm. a yes for sure. Um, and that, you know, I think put a little bit of strain on, uh, on just like relationships and like, you know, like I wasn't able to hang out with any friends, like do anything outside of music really, which right. I mean, most of my friends are musicians. So it, like, that's kind of how par I partially justified it too. It's like, Oh, I'm getting to hang out anyway. But like, right. um, like I can remember there's, there's one artist that I, I played for. And this is the artist that honestly, I think I learned really how to, how to say no, um, this experience working with this person. And, um, they're very talented and, and, you know, um, a uh, great player and and uh, songwriter, but um, there were multiple instances where I was asked, you know, to basically put like months on hold for this person to get ready for like a potential tour, um, or I would be like already booked with somebody, right? And they would ask me like, oh, well, you know, do you think that you could find a fill in for that gig and play with me instead? And it was just like at the, you know, I think there was one time where I caved. And I did do that and I felt horrible afterwards. And what made it worse is that after I found the fill in and, you know, canceled on that gig and, and did this one instead, then, or was going to do this one, this one got canceled. The person who asked me to cancel my so other shit. So you're out of work. So now I was out of work. And thankfully the, the person that I canceled on was very forgiving and, you know, they were upset at first, but like they, they gave me another chance and I was like, you know, like, I'm sorry you know, I did that. It was, it was an immature decision on my part. And, and it's something I honestly still regret, even though they forgave me and we did the gig, I still like came back and did the gig and, and the other fill in that they had ended up being a flake anyway. So like it kind of worked out. Right. But, um, since then I, 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 I haven't done that anymore. Right. It's like, if I, if I say yes, if I've committed to a gig, like, 
the only reason I would back out of something now at this point is if like I got the opportunity to play like an arena show like in front of 30,000 people and I'm pretty sure like just about anybody I play with would understand. I would yeah. hope so because I know I would. Like I don't care who I'm playing with if we have to cancel because one of the members like gets to play open up for you know Bruno Mars or something like right. yeah you should go do that you know right I mean I have done the the one time I kind of messed up not on a band but with a venue was we uh my band at the time had a gig at um this amphitheater and then on that same day we had and the gig at the amphitheater was opening up for a tribute band mm-hmm. and then we got an offer at another amphitheater to open up for like a touring British band mm-hmm. that like I always really liked. Yeah. And I was just like, mm, do I want to open for the tribute band? <laughs> or do I want to open up for the band band? Yeah. And so I opened up for the band band, mm-hmm. um, which I mean, I think it ended up being fine because they already had like a list of bands on the, and it wasn't like they had even announced it yet. Yeah. But that's still not cool to do. Yeah. Like I, I probably could have gone about that a little bit better. But, yeah. But, but you learn. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I mean, there are decisions like that that you have to take sometimes, you know, and um, the kind of where my head was at is, well, there's the likelihood that more important people are going to be at the band band show. Yeah. So it would be like showcasing to them, Mm -hmm. which is why I took it eventually. But it could have gone worse than it did. Thankfully, it went pretty well. But. You know, yeah. I mean, learning to say no is really, really hard. Um, so hard. I still struggle with it. Yeah, like I really too. do. I still really struggle. Yeah, with that. I do too. And it's not even just with like taking gigs and stuff. Just kind of stuff in general, like yeah. understanding, you know, like personality types and you know, turning down people, disappointing people is really, really hard for me. So saying no is really hard. A lot of the time, but you know, it is super important because I mean, at the end of the day, you're only one person, right? So there's only so much you can do. Yeah. Right. (laughs) You know, so it's like, you know, you can only get stretched so thin before you pop. (laughs) So you got to be really careful about it. Yeah. Um, and then I would say too, something that kind of comes usually a little later, but honestly, like I'm not. I haven't even done that big of stuff and it's happened to me several times is like setting boundaries with fans yeah. or like followers of your music supporters. Yeah. That gets hairy really quick. Oh yeah. Especially, I mean like not to make it a gender thing, but if you're a woman, that's probably going to happen to you a lot more than it happens yeah. if, you're, if you're just a straight white dude like me. <laughs> like, probably so. Yeah. Know. But what's funny is in my experience, it's always been women. Interesting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I don't know if it's a gender thing. Um, but I, uh, maybe, I mean, probably, but yeah. So, I mean, I've had that happen a lot. Um, you know, people are kind of crazy. Uh, people get very, uh, comfortable very quickly. Yeah. Um, which is really hard for me. And especially like a few years ago, even, um, because I really liked the attention. Yeah. That it brought, Mm -hmm. which is a dangerous game. Dangerous game. (laughs) just like oh you like my music oh my god (laughs) tell me more (laughs) and then you know yeah and then they're like okay and then (laughs) here's a tattoo of your name on my arm (laughs) right so you have to be careful with stuff um because people are you know different 
There's a lot of different kinds of people. <laughs> um, but it, it's not even like crazy stalker kind of personalities. I mean, even people who have really good intentions just get a little too comfy, too close yeah. or too soon. Yeah. You know, uh, especially if um, like because I've done like Kickstarters and stuff in the past. So people who give high tiers. Mm -hmm. Be careful of them, too. Yeah, for <laughs> people sure. People like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cause it's almost like they have this expectation of like, oh, like now you owe me. Like I'm, right. I'm the right. one that got, made you reach your goal. That can get really, really kind of hairy. Yeah. Um, which also happened to me. So be careful of that one too. When you're taking money from people, um, make sure that you set boundaries pretty quickly. Um, thankfully this person in my case lived somewhere different. Like it wasn't like they lived close, so I don't have to really interact with them a whole lot. Yeah. But um, it does happen for sure. People are just like, oh, well, you know, you owe me. And who the hell knows what that could even mean? Like, oh, yeah, it could mean all kinds of shit. that can get real dark real <laughs> yeah. quick. Yeah. So um, and it gets like this blurred line, right, of like. You want to share your artistic, uh, autistic, your artistic experience <laughs> with these people, you know, maybe <laughs> that's why, maybe, that's why, you know, we have stuff like Patreon and that's why social media is so cool, but it, the lines get really blurry between like sharing pieces of yourself yeah. and like sharing your whole self and right. being like indebted to people. Yeah. You yeah. know, I mean, it can happen like really, really quickly. And the mm -hmm. better that you're, you are at doing it, I've noticed the quicker it happens. Like if you post on social media every day for like a month and then you don't post one day, you're going to have somebody be like, are you okay? What's going on? Yeah. Like is everything, right. you know, yeah, which yeah, yeah. It could be coming from a place of love, but right. it can also get to the point where you just feel like enslaved to like yeah, these people i mean sure. it can definitely happen you're just a commodity at that point and that's how it feels when when people get that way and and right. um and like you said you know there's there's sometimes people have this expectation of you owing owing them and and it's like it sucks because you kind of feel that way too you yeah. know as an artist you're like yeah i guess i couldn't do it like you, you're but supporting like, me yeah but you know but it's like at the end of the day, like something like a Kickstarter, it's like the whole concept of Kickstarter is donation is like, right. you know, like, well, you get prizes, right? And stuff, you, you do get something rewards, out of it, whatever right. it is. Yeah. But it, but I guess like the intention behind it is to support out of the kindness right. of your heart and yeah. out of like your, um, you know, your financial boon can be somebody else's like survival. Right. Kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, and it can get, yeah. That the whole situation can get really bad pretty quickly. Um, and a lot of times that can that can also cause problems because usually your fan base are kind of connected within themselves. Yeah. If you're doing it right, yeah. it's like a community of fans, right? You got like the Swifties and the, I don't know, all the other people. <laughs> the Kiss <laughs> Army. I don't know, whatever yeah, they're yeah, called, yeah. you yeah, know? for sure. Um, like, so if one person you know, is mistreated, then it can cause a lot of problems for your whole community. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think it's good just to avoid that situation altogether whenever you can. Sometimes it's unavoidable, but, you know, set the boundaries right up front and be like, yeah. this is not going to happen this way. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, if you like my music, I would love to have you at the show. I will talk to you. I will do whatever 
like at the show, right? Or, mm-hmm. you know, within reason. Um, but make sure that, you know, people know that you're not like indebted to them for shit. Like yeah, you're right. just a musician and they like your music. Yeah. That's really at the end of the day what it is. Yep. So, yep. um, and I will say too, cause I just thought about this other thing that happened very recently, like this year as well. Um, and this was a guy, which is why I'm going here with this. Um, and it probably is like a gender thing. I think you actually, I let you read a lot of what happened here. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it was this mm-hmm. guy who I've known actually like on, on the internet, I've known him, you know, which he could be like a fucking catfish who knows but anyway i've known him forever we've been friends on social media forever and anyway he had this like demo that he um had recorded at his house and he wanted um, me to sing on it and to play guitar on it Mm -hmm. and the demo was really really rough um and i'm not just being a dick like it was you know it was pretty rough like it was off tempo and stuff a lot Mm -hmm. you could tell he didn't do it to a click and like you know it was rough So, uh, it took me forever to, um, you know, sync up with it, uh, cause he didn't want me to change anything about his stuff, which made it a challenge. Um, especially like at some points, uh, in the song, you know, he would like mess up on the guitar part and it would like cause like dissonance and trying to like sing over it. I was just like, ah, I hope that that was right. Yeah. It was just hard. Yeah. So where I'm going with that is I spent for fucking ever on it. Right. Right. And we had agreed on a price. And so I sent him a really rough, uh, MP3. I didn't want to send the wave files yet. Cause I don't do that until I get paid. Yeah. Good rule of thumb. Good rule of thumb. So yeah. I sent him like a little MP3. It was, you know, I made sure it was pretty low quality cause that's happened to me too where you'll send it and it'll be like you know the uh, 48k or whatever and then they end up using the fucking mp3 yeah yeah. it's like Uh. ah thanks (laughs) (laughs) so i made sure it was you know pretty rough yeah and you know i just kept getting like a weird vibe from him like he was critiquing like my performance on the recording and stuff Mm -hmm. which I thought my performance was really good. And so I was just like, well, yeah, you're pretty self-critical. Really... Like when you, yeah, I like, mean, I yeah. thought it was fine. Yeah. I mean, for what it was, yeah. I mean, no, it wasn't like sunset studios, like quality, <laughs> but neither was the fucking demo. Right. So I was just like, okay, like that's great. So anyway, I did it again mm. to fix his issues. Cause mm-hmm. I'm a professional <laughs> anyway. So I sent, him the, I sent him like the an, an MP3 again and he was like, oh, like, um, yep, that's good. And then he gave me this like whole runaround about like he would have to pay me later because like his wife didn't know that he was spending money on this or something. And uh, I was just huh. like, well, that's super weird because like we agreed to a price and right. like I was pretty forward with him at this point because I was a little pissed off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just like look dude like this is this is how i make money like this is my job so like i can't just like wait for you to like tell your wife that you paid for this like that's not my fucking problem yeah pay me and then come up with a lie i don't fucking know (laughs) and so anyway for an extra 20 percent, i'll help you fabricate a lie right (laughs) and then you know he ended up paying me i sent him the track and then he sent me this like really weird message that was like do you think that you could like film yourself doing like a video 
performing the song, which would have been good to know like up front. That way yeah. I'm not having to like lip sync to my performance. Right. I was like, and you know, he was telling me like to wear like a specific outfit. He just got weird yeah, with it. That gets super weird, super just, quick. I was just like, um, no, I am not going to do that. <laughs> you fucking weirdo. So anyway, I blocked him, but that, that has happened. That's like the most recent example, but stuff like that has happened to me a couple times. So setting boundaries with that too, like you, and it's easier to do over the internet. I've yeah. discovered like I yeah. have a harder time with face to face, Yeah, but like over the internet, I was just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's another example of, you know, kind of blending the learning to say no topic and the setting boundaries with fans topic. Yeah, for sure. Um, Cause that, that has happened to me too. Um, and then we kind of talked about this a little bit last week, but we definitely want to hit on like the realistic expectations thing again, because it is such an important part of not only like your life as a musician, but it, the show, you know, just like avoiding the yeah. disappointment part. I mean, it's a huge, it's one third of our podcast. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, and we talked about it last time, but I think a lot of people, and I definitely used to be this way more, not so much anymore, but just having like a very unrealistic expectation for like what you're going to do by 25, mm -hmm. what you're going to do by 30, yeah. what you're going to do, which I do think it's important to set goals. But I will say in my experience, it's led to a lot of mental health problems. Yeah, same here. Because I'm sure. just like, oh, well, now I'm 25 and I haven't done any of those fucking things. Yeah. Like, that's great. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so... You know, I think just kind of it's really just finding the true meaning of why you're actually doing it. I think that that's the important part. Like um, and I go back and forth with it, too. Like, I'm not going to say like, oh, I only play music because it like feeds my soul. Like, mm -hmm. no, that's not true. Like there are often many times where I'm like, man, it really would be cool to like have money. Like that would be so cool. Can you even imagine like, these people that are just like, oh yeah. And then I put a down payment on a new car. Like really? Yeah. That's amazing. I know. Yeah. You know, or mm -hmm. just, it, just little stuff, you know, because we are earlier, we were talking about a hundred dollars a night. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. Like that, that <laughs> really sure. sucks. Like, yeah. and that's, yeah, it is technically untaxed. But then that's just money you have to worry about later, too. Like, yeah. you just make enough to get by. And then if you are filing taxes, which I highly recommend yeah. not trying to get away with that. Yeah. Because it never works. Yeah, don't hide that you shit. You know, then you have a huge payment at the end of the year that you have to have money saved for. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, yeah, savings. Right. Like, I have that. That, that thing <laughs> that everyone talks about. <laughs> yeah. So like, I'm not going to sit here and say, and I'm interested to hear your perspective on it too, but I'm not going to say like, I'm definitely not super, I guess like hippy dippy in that way. Like, yes, I love playing music and like it does feed my soul, but that's not the only reason why I'm doing it. Like it is nice to like live and right. be able to eat. And <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I'm the same, I guess, you know, I mean, like, I guess I'll say this, like, I've never like, don't get into this industry and I will say it for the rest of my life, you never get into the music industry to make money. Like that is not why you do this. Um, because it, it's going to take a long time if you ever do it at all. Um, but 
um yeah i mean like music you know for for me just as it is for you is it's like a it's an it's, a, it's an addiction it's something i have to do i can't right. not do it i can't you know silence the music in my head that is constantly right going through it but um you know i also like i knew from a pretty young age I think, you know, 14, 15, 16, when I started really thinking like, okay, this is what I want to do, like that I wanted to make a living doing it. So right. like, obviously I had intentions to make money. Um, but I, I guess it's like, you know, don't, um, don't think about like, you know, just being an artist, uh, and making those millions of dollars and getting your big, you know, mansion and, and like, you know, like, I don't know. It's like, I, I guess I just, maybe it's just me. I just don't resonate with that mentality. Cause I know people who have done it and have succeeded. Like that guy, you know, uh, that I went to school with, who's like right. a millionaire rapper now and, and like, you know, living his best life and like, yeah, I'm, I'm, gl I'm, I'm glad he's doing it. I, I do think, um, it's a little bit easier to pump out like, you know, hip hop track every week than it is For to sure. pump, pump out a rock track. But yeah. you know, like, I don't know. That's also just my, my, opinion and and that doesn't mean i'm right and, and it doesn't mean that you know i i'm any kind of authority on 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 this um but i guess i don't know um just don't like you know how you said like you're you're basically trying not to set yourself up for disappointment and i and i hate even like you know saying it so much because i don't want it to don't want it to sound like we're like these jaded like old like musicians who are just like this all sucks and it's like no it's great like i yeah, I, I love playing music sure. and and like i love playing shows and even if the pay isn't that great for a show like i still had a fucking great time you know and right. and i got to do music with my friends but like you know um i guess it's it's just it's easy to um to get kind of like wide-eyed and bushy-tailed or you know and, and like all excited about the potential in this industry but like you know well i will say too getting wide-eyed and bushy-tailed really impacts your ability to set boundaries which was the whole point yeah. of this whole discussion true very true so the the higher you have of like oh i'm gonna do whatever it takes to make my first million dollars in the music industry like that is a great way to think but where it becomes dangerous is um there may be somebody out there that can help you with that but then what do they expect in return yeah and that's right. where it gets hairy yeah <laughs> you know there's a lot of people in this world which is kind of surprising to me but there's a lot of people that are millionaires yeah you know yeah and so there's a lot of people that are patrons of the arts that are millionaires um, but knowing kind of what your actual goals are, knowing what your boundaries are, that could be really, really critical to um, success. Because I will say, too, like money is definitely, definitely not the only factor to success. Mm -mm. We were just listening to an album before we started this podcast that was a $20,000 album that sounded awful. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that just shows you like, Money doesn't necessarily make things better. Money, um, it's just money. As much as you're willing to spend it, that's how much you're going to spend. Yeah. So like setting realistic expectations with that, setting boundaries with that mm -hmm. of like, even financially, like we didn't even really talk about that, but that's super important too. Just like setting your spending 
um, boundaries. Yeah, totally. You know, because people will take and take and take until you don't have any budget left. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've had that not super bad, but I've had it a little bit where, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize that somebody was overcharging me because nobody told me and I had never done it before. Yeah. So, you know, um, just setting boundaries with that too is super, super important. Um, because at the end of the day, hopefully you're looking at your music like a business and you know, it, it, I mean, it is basically still shark tank. Like there are still sharks out there that want, you know, whatever they can squeeze out of you. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't, I definitely don't think that we're jaded. Um, cause you were saying that, I think, I think the difference is a lot of times when I think of like jaded old musicians, they just say, don't even try. Yeah. And they're like out of the business yeah. already. So yeah. like, yeah. that's not what we're saying at all. Please try. But yeah. we and also give us some advice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a community. Like yeah. we're definitely not like, especially me, like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. So like, I'm just talking on a, I'm talking on a podcast. <laughs> so like, you know, um, we've had some validating experiences. That, right. That, And I learn something every day, honestly, like I still learn all the time and, you know, hopefully I'll keep learning. That's the whole goal of this. Um, you know, which is why we were saying a couple episodes ago, like if there is a topic that you guys really want us to talk about or to address, or even you have an opinion on a topic that you would like to share with us, just hit us up on email. Um, we're on Instagram, we're on TikTok. Um, you know, just let us know kind of, um, you know, how your perspective of the industry has um, shaped who you are as a musician, you know, because I think everybody has a different perspective because everybody's had a different experience. Yeah. So, you know, this is just our experience that we're sharing. But I do think it's really critical to set boundaries and realistic like expectations, not only for you, but for your music and your business. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much for listening to this episode of sex, drugs, and disappointment. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave us a review and connect with us more on Instagram and TikTok at SDD podcast. Each episode is also available in video format on YouTube. And don't forget, have fun. Don't do too much. And it's gonna happen. Sex, drugs, and disappointment.